0: You are listening to a sermon from MCA Church. To learn more about our community, head online to mcachurch.ca. Thanks. Jesus, once again, we, we come before you. And we want to thank you for the story of the cross. <laughs> we thank you, Jesus, that you didn't leave us in darkness and death, But you came to earth, you took our place on the cross. And on it, you bore the consequences of our transgressions, of our sin. But there, Jesus, you did something to dismantle its power in the world and in our life. You made way for us to be forgiven and reconciled to the Father who made us. And so, Jesus, you are so worthy of our praise and this morning, as we, as we uh, continue to, to move forward uh, together, we pray, Jesus, by your spirit, you would be alive among us, bringing your word to life, not simply in our ears so we hear it, but, but in our hearts, <laughs> in our hands and feet. Holy Spirit, fill your church with hope and praise, because you are the reason that we sing. Ah, Jesus, you're good. You love your people. You love the people in this city. And so we pray, Jesus, that you would, uh, by your spirit, you'd love us this morning um, in a fresh way. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You can go ahead and have a seat. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. It's summertime. I hope you're enjoying a bit of the, uh, the the summer weather. That it seems like it's here for a moment, and then it's uh, it's gone, and then it's here again. But uh, great to gather uh, on this uh, summer Sunday. In 2010, there was a, a devastating earthquake uh, in Haiti. Uh, maybe you remember the news stories, uh, seeing some of the pictures. Well, well, following this earthquake. A man by the name of Richard Stearns, the president of World Vision, he visited a church in Haiti in Port au Prince. The church's building had been decimated, it, uh, or sorry, the, the, the churches across the country had been decimated. But the one church he went to, it was simply a, a, a building, a tent, constructed uh, out, of, out of tarps and, uh, and, and poles. And it was held together with duct tape. <laughs> pitched in the middle of a sprawling camp for thousands of people who had lost their homes in the earthquake. And here's how he describes the scene that day as he gathered for worship. He says, In the front row sat six amputees, ranging in age from six to 60. They were clapping and smiling as they sang song after song and lifted their prayers to God. Their worship was so full of hope. No one was singing louder or praying more fervently than a woman named Demosi Lufin, a 32-year-old unemployed single mother of two children. During the earthquake, a building had crushed her arm, her right arm and her left leg. And after four days of trying to save them, they both needed to be amputated. DeMosi was there leading the choir, <laughs> leading prayers, standing on her prosthesis, and lifting her one hand high to praise Jesus. And following the service, uh, Richard Stern writes, he says, I met DeMosi, uh, her two daughters, and they were aged eight and ten. And the three of them now live in a tent five feet tall and perhaps eight feet wide. Despite losing her job, her home, her two limbs, she is deeply grateful because God spared her life. She said, God has brought me back like Lazarus, giving me the gift of life. And then Richard Stern said this, it makes no sense to me at all as an entitled North American who grouses at the smallest inconveniences, a clogged drain or a slow Wi-Fi connection in my home. Yet here in this place, many people who have lost everything express nothing but praise. Wow. This summer, we're focusing our attention on the reasons that we sing because as Christians, we have lots of reason to sing. And last week, we looked at at the reason to sing of of God's love, how God loves us. And this morning, I want to focus our attention on one of the reasons that that we sing, not simply week after week, but, but day after day, moment after moment, we sing because of the hope that Jesus brings to the world. We sing because of our Christian hope. Now, the Apostle Paul, he points to this future hope in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 to 22. Listen. Scriptures say, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Paul, in this text, is writing about our greatest human problem and the great divine solution. Our greatest human problem is this. It's that every one of us has first followed the way of Adam. And when the text is referring to Adam, uh, it's referring, of course, to, to Adam of Adam and Eve. <laughs> our greatest human problem is that every one of us has first followed the way of Adam in rebellion against God. We've, we've said no to God's goodness at times in our life. We've said no to God's leadership at times in our life. And that rebellion, it it has led every human being and every human society into captivity, making us hostages to the power of death itself because there is no life apart from the one who gives life. But here is the great divine solution. God sent someone different. Not Adam. Adam but the Son of Man, the Son of God, Jesus. And he leads us into life. In Adam all die, but in Christ all will be made alive. And we're told that even if we taste death, not even the grave can contain the life that Jesus has on offer. I mean, that's the story of the first Easter Sunday. We're told in the text that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have tasted death. And now, the word first fruits is key to understanding our Christian hope. Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Well, what does first fruits mean? The first fruits is a reference to the time early in the growing season when when the Jewish farmers would give their first crops the first pick of the season, the early crops, to God as an offering. They didn't sell them. (laughs) They gave them to God. And it was like saying to God, God, we trust you with the future outcome of our crops. We're trusting you with a future harvest, anticipating something to come in the future. And Paul is telling us that Jesus is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, the first fruits of those who have died. And that, mark this church, that the resurrected Jesus is the sign of a harvest to come as we attach our lives to his. In other words, Jesus is the first fruits of those who will one day conquer the grave and come out fully alive on the other side. I mean, what a hope. Those who attach their lives to Jesus can anticipate being counted in the harvest. And it's the reason we sing. And if that wasn't good enough on its own, there's even more to sing about. It's not simply a future hope. There's there's more than simply the future. The word first fruits, in the original language, it carries the idea of a prototype or or a pattern to follow. Jesus' resurrection was the prototype. It's the pattern that will follow. It's both the start and the pattern to follow not simply for our bodies, but for all of God's creation. This is the story the scriptures tell us from start to finish. And what Paul is saying in the whole of 1 Corinthians is that God is renewing not simply our bodies, but an entire cosmos. Romans 8 tells the story. It's a good one to read this week. God isn't simply renewing our bodies in the future. He's renewing the entire cosmos. And the point is this. The power of Jesus' resurrection unleashed on that first Easter Sunday will eventually bring new life to all that God has made. And we've tasted it. We've tasted a portion of this new life, but one day we will know it in fullness. This is what 1 Corinthians is teaching us. And it's precisely the message that the risen Jesus speaks over his creation in Revelation chapter 21. You remember this one? At the very end of the scriptures, it's like the curtain is peeled back on the reality of the world. And we get this this image of of how God uh, doesn't end the story, but, but he ends a chapter of the story. And Jesus, the risen Jesus is sitting on the throne of the cosmos. He's looking out over all that he has participated in making with the Father and the Spirit. And he says, look, I'm making everything new. I'm making everything new. The risen Christ is on the throne of the universe saying, look, I'm making everything new. It's reason to sing. Jesus is making all things new. He's making everything that is broken new again. Bodies that are marked by death, new again. Bodies marked by disease and and limitation, new again. (laughs) Relationships that have been lost, damaged, divided, new again. Ecosystems polluted and destroyed, new again. Societies and systems that are sinful and exploitive, new again. Jesus' resurrection is the prototype. It's the first fruits. It's a sign of what is yet to come. Jesus says, look, I'm making all things new. Just look at my body. And it's the reason we sing. And so what does this mean? This fact that we have, have new life in Christ, that, that we have this, this hope, what does it mean? Two things that I want to press upon us this morning. First, it means that when Jesus is in the picture of your life, your present is not your future. Your present is not your future. The present reality that you are facing is not what God's future has in store for you. And this is profoundly good news. Look, maybe you're here this morning and, and you are, you're going through some big stuff in your life. <laughs> maybe your family's breaking apart. Maybe you feel like your life is. And perhaps for you, every day is just a struggle to get out of bed to put one foot in front of the next. But church, even in times like this, there's reason to sing. Because your present is not your future. Your present is not your future. One day Jesus will make all things new. One day the cloud of depression will be blown away by the wind of the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. (laughs) One day, the broken parts of your soul, the broken pieces of your family will be mended in Jesus' name. This is the Christian story. And it all hinges on Christ, on us giving our yes to Jesus. Your present is not your future and it's reason to sing. Maybe you're here this morning and, and... and you've lost a loved one in your life, whether it's a parent, a spouse, a partner, a sibling, and you feel the grief of this loss day by day, and it's different every day, but it's there every day. With Jesus, your present is not your future. Grief doesn't have the final word. Neither does death. Your present is not your future. My wife, Gina, she, she lost her mom to an aggressive terminal cancer a number of years ago. And Gina and I were on vacation when, with our kids when her mom was first diagnosed. We were at Disneyland, of all places, the happiest place on earth, right? Well, one year after that diagnosis, Gina's mom was gone. And it was a devastating time for for our family, especially for Gina. And some of you know this journey really well. You know it all too well. Losing someone dear to you. Well, sometime after her mom had died, Gina was reflecting on that difficult year before her mom had passed away. And this is what she said to me. She said, you know, Keith, in those days, I was so sad. I was scared, nervous, but there was another feeling too. Something I can only describe as joy. A sense that God had a plan. A hope that I held on to that He would heal. <laughs> a certainty that He was still in control no matter what happened. I mean, How can someone respond to to such a situation like that, with words like that? Well, it's because she knew, with Jesus, our present is not our future. Through Christ, God is making all things new. Cancer doesn't have the final word in God's world. (laughs) The disease may take a life, but it cannot take away the new life that we all have in Christ. It can't be taken away. Gina knew her present is not her future, and it's a reason to sing. It's what brought her joy. Some of you know the story of Joni Erickson Tata. Joni was in an accident when she was 17, and the accident paralyzed her from the neck down. And so, in the subsequent days of trying to put her life back together, come to terms with this accident that had happened, Joni would go to church in her wheelchair. And the problem with being in a wheelchair, she said, she found, was that whenever the minister asked people to kneel for prayer, she was unable to do it. And it compounded her grief. Well, there was this one day when she was at a Christian conference, and the speaker urged people to get down on their knees and pray. And everyone in the room did, except for Joni. And in that moment, she began to weep. But surprisingly to her, her her tears this time weren't tears of sorrow. They were tears of joy. They were tears of hope. Why? Why? because that moment for her became a picture of heaven, a picture of God's future, a future where one day every knee will bow before the Lamb of God who was slain for the sin of the world, where everyone will sing because Jesus has made all things new. She describes that moment like this. This is what she says. She says, "'Sitting there, I was reminded that in heaven,' I will be free to jump up, dance, kick, and, of course, do aerobics. (laughs) And sometime before the guests are called to the banquet table at the wedding feast of the Lamb, the first thing I plan to do on uh, resurrected legs is to drop on grateful, glorified knees. And I will quietly kneel at the feet of Jesus. And then she says this, I with shriveled, bent fingers, atrophied muscles, gnarled knees, and no feeling from the shoulders down will one day have a new body. Light, bright, and clothed in righteousness. Powerful and dazzling. Can you imagine the hope that the resurrection gives to someone who is spinal cord injured? Like me it's reason to sing with Jesus the present is not our future your present is not your future and it's why we give thanks and praise but there is a second angle to our Christian hope that I want to shine a light on today and it's this with Jesus Yes, our present is not our future, but with Jesus, the future is being pulled into our present. (laughs) With Jesus, the future is being pulled into our present. The hope of our Christian story isn't simply that one day in the future, God's gonna restore everything that's broken, right? Our Christian hope isn't something that we, we say yes to Jesus now and we sit around waiting for something to happen until he goes to take us to be with him in heaven. That's not how it works. Our hope is that God is pulling his restored future into the midst of our brokenness, the the put-together life of heaven, into the presence of our out-of-sync and out-of-order world today. I mean, this is what Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Our Father in heaven, may your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer of pulling the future put-together life of heaven into the present broken one. Jesus pulls the future restored life into our life today. When John the Baptist... Remember this story. When John the Baptist, or maybe you don't, you've never heard it, that's okay. When John the Baptist was locked away in in Herod's dungeon, he sent a message to Jesus. And the message said, are you really the Messiah Jesus? (laughs) I mean, are you really the long-awaited anointed Son of God who will rescue the world from sin and evil once and for all. Are you really the Messiah? Or should we wait for someone else? I mean, it's the right question to ask when you're locked in a tyrant's dungeon. (laughs) Jesus, are you going to save me? Or should I be waiting for someone else? And Jesus answers John saying this, Matthew eleven four 4 and 5. Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus is saying something like this. He's saying, hey, look, John. God's put-together life of the future is being pulled into the present, Healing is breaking through the sickness. Light is breaking through the darkness. Freedom is breaking through oppression. Life is breaking through death. You see, God's future is being pulled into the present. God's kingdom has come on earth as it is in heaven. And sometimes it comes in, in big ways, and other times it comes in small ways. Remember the story of the mustard seed, or, or the yeast in the loaf of dough. The, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast in and dough, and, and it, it gets mixed in through this whole piece of dough, and, and finally it transforms it into something greater. Sometimes the kingdom, the power of God, the, the future put together, life of God comes with this little seed that is planted in a life, and it grows to become this big tree in which birds sit in its branches. I've told you the story of a woman I once knew named Verna. Uh, I told this story a number of years ago, but maybe you remember it. Verna was a cranky, cantankerous woman who would snap at everyone she spoke to. Maybe you know the kind of person I'm talking about. <laughs> don't, don't nudge the person next to you. That just is, uh, is not going to end well. She was cranky. <laughs> Her face wore a scowl wherever she went. But as she learned about Jesus, and she became captivated by the fact that that God would actually love her, when she heard about what Jesus did on the cross to forgive her sin and embrace her as his own child, she was captivated by this. You see, Verna wore a scowl because in part because she was hurt by a lot of people in her life. A lot of people. And in turn, she had caused a lot of hurt along the way. But as she was captivated by the thought of Jesus, that he would forgive her and bring peace into her life, one day I sat with her, and she prayed. And she asked Jesus to come into her life. And I will never forget that moment. When she raised her head after praying to receive Jesus, She was a changed woman. There was a look of dignity and gratitude in her eyes that wasn't there before. And after that day, Verna was one of the most thankful and delighted people in my life. It was remarkable. Something had changed completely in her. The future life of heaven had come into her present reality. And it didn't fix all of her her wounds. (laughs) She had scars, and she still lived with, with challenge, but the future life of heaven was like a foretaste of something that was yet to come. And it was beautiful. She still carried wounds from her past, but she was changed. With Jesus, the future is being pulled into our present, and it's reason to sing it's something to pray for something to seek (laughs) this is what jesus is always doing for us it's like through his holy spirit and i know i'm mixing some metaphors here but through his holy spirit is it's like it's like he's reaching across the gap of time and space into god's future restored kingdom and he's pulling pieces of that put-together life into our present. He's always pulling pieces of that restored future life into our present. So when we pray in the spirit, and when we worship in spirit and truth, Jesus is bringing the life of heaven to bear upon the earth. He's pulling pieces into our present. And when sickness is arrested and bodies are healed, Jesus is pulling the future into our present. And when a human heart bends and says yes to his lordship, the future is being pulled into the present. When a person forgives another person, Jesus is pulling his future into the present. When weapons of war are are turned in for, for gardening tools for peace, Jesus is pulling his future into the present. When a person turns the other cheek or goes the extra mile in Jesus' name, the future is being pulled into the present. When oppressors are brought to justice and the oppressed are set free, Jesus is pulling the future into the present. And it's a beautiful thing. It's what we all need. And so it's why we pray. May your kingdom come on earth, in me, in us, in your city, just as it is in heaven. That's why we sing. That's why we praise him. Because he's faithful to answer that prayer. Church, with Jesus, your present is not your future. And God's future is being pulled into your present. And so will you stand with me? And I'm going to invite the worship team together. And we're going to sing. We're going to sing a song that that takes us kind of from creation to redemption. (laughs) And it's a beautiful song that has pictures. And so my invitation to you this morning as we sing is... Even if you want to just close your eyes as we sing and, and, and reflect on the pictures of this song that is, that is speaking about all that Jesus has done in creating the world, in creating you, in loving the world, redeeming the world, and pulling us into his future. So let's sing together.